Are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to your community radio station, and this is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. With special guests. Yeah, special guest Padilla. <laughs> Just like, let us talk about the trillion ton Delaware-sized iceberg that broke off the Antarctic's Larsen Sea ice shelf. Like a driver facing a crack in a windshield, scientists have been watching a rift growing across a giant ice shelf in western Antarctica for years, waiting for the day that it would break. This year, a trillion-ton expanse of ice nearly the size of Delaware broke off into the ocean. Now, why is this a big deal? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a big deal because it's a big piece of ice. That's yeah. <laughs> well, there's that. But there's also the fact that if the ice is not in the water and already displacing the water, if it's falling off of land into the water, it raises sea level. Yeah. Well, and I've, some people have tried to minimize this by saying, oh, this, this portion that is broken off is, was already you know, on the ocean, so it's not going to raise sea level right away. But what it does is it's holding back some of the other ones that are going to raise sea level. Because if all of the stuff that's already on the water floats away, then the stuff that's on land is going to start slipping off too. So there's some, there's some complexity and nuance about whether or not it's actually this event was caused by climate change. But either way, it's, it changes the landscape in a way that makes it more vulnerable to climate change. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. It's like literally 10%. Of the ice shelf. Yeah. And a trillion all, all, tons. All at once. Imagine if Delaware all of a sudden fell off the U.S. Yeah. I should have queued up that 16-ton song. You haul a trillion tons, and what do you get? <laughs> <laughs> Another day older and deeper in debt. Antarctic's ice shelves are facing other forces as global temperatures rise. Warmer water has been detected closer to the edges of the Antarctic in recent years, and that can accelerate the melting of ice shelves from below. Likewise, warmer air can increase surface melting from above. The ice shelves act as giant buffers, slowing the flow of glaciers from the frozen land behind them. So, of course, when an ice shelf disappears, like Treesong said, the land-based glacier ice it held back can flow faster. You don't really think of ice as flowing. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it does break off and move because there's something called gravity. Yeah, I'm sure the glaciologists think of ice as flowing. I tend to not, but then when I read about the science, uh, I learn things. So here's a, here's a quote. Uh, Although this is a natural event, and we're not aware of any of the human-induced any link to human-induced climate change. This puts the ice shelf in a very vulnerable position. Uh, this is the furthest back that the ice front has been in recorded history. We're going to be watching very carefully for signs that the rest of the shelf is becoming unstable. Now that's got to be a job. Watching, not just watching ice melt, but watching glaciers move. Yeah. Well, it's probably like, this is probably even more fascinating and exciting for the glaciologists because, you know, 
they're sitting there watching, and giant stuff like this is usually not happening. And suddenly now this... It's happening more and more, for, yeah, and very frequently. Huge huh? chunk. So, so we'll have more news on that as it develops. Uh, I'm sure if it all melts and falls off, you won't need us to tell you, but <laughs> we'll mark the progress before then. So in other news, ranchers fight Keystone XL Pipeline by building solar panels in its path. I never thought I'd see ranchers building <laughs> yeah. solar to stop. Ranchers building solar to stop a pipeline. After years of battling Canadian pipeline giant TransCanada over the controversial Keystone XL pipeline, Nebraska rancher Bob Allpress is taking an unusual step to protect the land that has been in his family since 1886. In the coming weeks, he plans to install solar panels in the middle of a 1.5-mile-long strip of land a proposed pipeline route that bisects his 900-acre range, and that TransCanada has threatened to take by force through a legal process known as eminent domain. Quote, not only would they have to invoke eminent domain against us, they would have to tear down solar panels that provide good, clean power back to the grid and jobs for the people who build them. Well, if they tear it down, they'd have to hire people to, like, (laughs) put it back up. Otherwise, they'd have really bad press. Yeah. The project known as Solar XL is the latest example in a growing number of demonstrations against pipeline where opponents festion proposed corridors with eye-catching obstacles. Nuns recently built a, a chapel along the path of a proposed natural gas pipeline that would cross their property in Pennsylvania. Last year, pipeline opponents built a replica of the cabin belonging to Henry Thoreau, one of the environmental movement's founding fathers, along another proposed natural gas pipeline route in Massachusetts. All press, along with his brother, raises corn, alfalfa, and cattle on their ranch along the Kiapanma River in north-central Nebraska. As one of several landowners who plan to install solar panels along the pipeline route with help from advocates, opposed to the pipeline. The panels will provide solar power to the landowners with me- any excess production intended to go into the electric grid. Yeah, it's a really creative way, and it's, you know, it, it serves both a practical thing of slowing down the pipeline, but also it's symbolic, too. It shows the kind of power that people want to have instead of the pipeline. I thought the one with the nuns was really interesting, too. They did a whole chapel out in the field there. They set up a little pavilion and benches and all that. And <laughs> It's interesting the ways people come up with creative ways to uh, resist the pipeline development. So in other news, pretty relevant to uh, our area, d- climate change will hit southern poor hardest, U.S. economic analysis shows. Without effective action to bend the upward curve of greenhouse gas emissions, parts of the American South could experience more than a 20% drop in economic activity due to global warming by the end of the century, according to a new analysis of the regional economic risks of climate change. And I know this is talking about the South, but I actually just recently saw an article about Illinois, too, which was after I'd already prepared the radio show. Um, Illinois is facing some of these effects. The county-by-county analysis shows that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, Padilla is excited about this one. County-by-county uh, county analysis shows that the poorer regions of the country would be hit hardest and that the nation as a whole could see as much as 6% shaved off of its GDP by the end of this century. Now, I'm no economist, but I, I know that a 6% <laughs> 
decrease in GDP is generally considered <laughs> a difficult thing for a country to go through. Well, I do know that you know solar was considered a thing of the tree huggers until it became economically viable. So do you think climate change will become you know, the thing of the poor and the poor South once they realize that it affects their money? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a good opportunity for climate communication in that because, you know, if people in the in the poor rural south associate environmentalism with, you know, protecting trees, then they may not be as interested. But if they associate it with not having their counties bankrupted, <laughs> then they may take a little more uh, interest in that. Here's a quote. Throughout the American Midwest, we see a reduction in agricultural productivity that looks pretty much like the same reduction we saw during the Dust Bowl. Right now, when people think of climate change, they think of a picture of a polar bear on a piece of ice that's melting. That is happening, but it's also what's happening in those places where people's entire communities are sinking or burning because of wildfires or destroyed because of severe hurricane tornadoes and more and more flooding. Within regions and counties affected by climate change minority and low-income communities are bearing and will continue to bear the brunt of the economic damage certain populations are more at risk given the geographic location as a result of all kinds of policies and planning in some cases geographic and racial redlining where people are being pushed into low-lying areas for example flood-prone areas and areas not covered by trees. The population that has the least is going to lose the most. If you lose 20% of what you have, and what you have is not very much, that's a big hit. So, Yeah, it's similar to how in, um, in some areas they will put in toxic factories and such in low-income neighborhoods because the people there can't resist it. Um, there's also a lot of people in low-lying areas and people in rural areas who... Who are going to be greatly affected by this, but don't have as much political clout, and so, uh, but they do have some, and so once they realize that this is going on, they may be able to do something about it. So let's see. We also have coming up here. Um, oh yeah, this is one uh, that I found especially interesting because I drive a Volvo. It's electric. Volvo is the first major. Yours is. <laughs> Mine is not yet. <laughs> it's like. Uh, but this, the title of the story is It's Electric. Volvo is the first mainstream automaker to say goodbye gas, hello electric. Volvo announced on Wednesday of last week that it plans to launch only electric or hybrid models from 2019 onward. Really? Wait a second. This is a big deal. Yeah. A no. car manufacturer will no longer make gas cars. Yeah. They're essentially ditching the internal combustion engine. Uh, Volvo is set to release five fully electric models between 2019 and 2021. That's a lot. That's five different electric models. It will continue to produce existing gas and diesel models, but plans to completely phase those out around 2024. So the models they're already making, they're going to still make for a few more years, but the new stuff is all going to be electric. Quote, this announcement marks the end of the solely combustion engine-powered car. Volvo CEO Hakan Sam Samuelson said in a statement. He says the switch was driven by customer, customer demand and will help the company reach its goal 
to sell 1 million electric cars by 2025. While electric cars make up only a small fraction of new cars bought, mainly due to their historically high prices, Reuters reports that many in the auto industry expect mass market electric cars to become the new norm. And of course, other electric, other car companies are revving up. Can you say revving up when it's electric car? <laughs> yeah, it's like That's revving up to launch control. their own electric car. You know, getting empowered to launch their no, own electric cars. Yeah, charging so. up. <laughs> so now it doesn't really say that they are eliminating. Th- the internal combustion engine because they're still going to have hybrid vehicles. Mm. So, but essentially ditching the solely internal combustion engine. Yeah. So, you know. And it's, you know, there are companies like Tesla Motors that have specialized in electrics, but this is the first time a major automaker has made a pronouncement like this. So in other news, this is how climate change will shift the world's cities. Summers around the world are already warmer than they used to be, and they're going to get dramatically hotter by the century's end if carbon pollution continues to rise. That problem will be felt most acutely in cities. The world's rapidly growing population, coupled with the urban heat island effect, which can make cities up to 14 degrees Fahrenheit or 7.8 degrees Celsius warmer than their leafy rural counterparts, Add up to a recipe for dangerous and potentially deadly heat. Currently, about 54% of the world's population lives in cities. And by 2050, the urban population is expected to grow by 2.5 billion. As those cities get hotter, weather patterns may shift and make extreme heat even more common. This will in turn threaten public health and the economy. To illustrate how hot cities' future could be in the choices they face. Climate Central created the interactive above in partnership. I guess if you want um, a link to the interactive program, please send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Under the high pollution scenario, currently mild Ontario, Canada will have the tropical climate of Belize City by 2100. Already hot Cairo, Egypt could feel like it's the downright sweltering neighbor Abu Dhabi. The average land temperature is expected to rise 8.6 degrees Fahrenheit or 4.8 Celsius, but due to the vagarities of geography, some cities will warm even more. Sofia, Bulgaria has the biggest overall temperature shift with temperatures rising nearly 15 degrees Fahrenheit. This would make summers more like Port Said, Egypt. Up to a dozen cities will heat up so much their summers will have no analog currently on Earth. Sudan's average summer temperature is expected to skyrocket to 111 degrees Fahrenheit. Reducing carbon emissions still means temperatures will rise in cities and everywhere else. Dealing with less extreme heat makes adaption easier and less expensive, and given that choice, perhaps it's no surprise that cities are leading the charge on climate change. They face the worst impacts of extreme heat and are home to billions. 
That's why thousands of mayors from around the world have banded together and pledged to reduce their emissions. That includes multitudes of U.S. cities committing to meet the Paris Agreement goals after President Trump announced he was pulling the U.S. from the pact, and even more ambitious moves like Oslo's pledge to nearly zero its emissions by 2030. Climate Central is launching a series of climate reports by TV weather presenters from around the world. They will roll out in the coming weeks if you are interested. That is climatecentral.org. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about me, about to me about that story is the whole the whole fact that some areas will just become basically uninhabitable, especially in the summer, you know. Like it only takes a few degrees difference to take the hottest places in the world from yeah, I can live here but it's uncomfortable to no, I just can't live here anymore. So I can see why they would take a lot of action on climate change then once they realize that. Did you see the the picture of the pa- giant panda-shaped solar field in China? <laughs> yeah, I did see that. I've, I've yeah. had at least four people send me, you know, messages of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, most solar farms align their solar rays in rows and columns to form like a grid. Yeah, and it doesn't look super exciting from an aerial view. Now, now, if you want to, <laughs> you can actually see a similar one in Florida that's shaped like Mickey Mouse <laughs> next to, you know, some type of resort. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, all they do is instead of making the end of the row square, they just kind of curve them to make it, you know, well curved (laughs) so they planned it um a new solar power plant in china decided to have a little fun with its design china merchants new energy group one of the country's largest clean energy operates operators built a 248 acre solar farm in the shape of a giant panda yeah and it looked impressively like a panda too you know Sometimes something made out of metal and glass, you're like, eh, I can kind of see. But this, it really looked like a cartoon panda. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, pretty impressive. I wish we could beam the picture to you through the radio waves. I mean, it's, they literally call it the panda power plant. Yeah. <laughs> and it will produce enough solar energy to eliminate a million tons of coal. So. So it's a powerful panda. And, of course, you know. A million tons of coal equals 2.74 million tons of carbon emissions. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty impressive. And the, they actually plan to build more panda-shaped solar plants throughout China in the next five years. Yeah. So. It's also a good gimmick, too, you know, just to draw attention to what they're doing and make it fun, make it interesting to people. Just to make it a little interesting, ta- today happens to be National Nude Day and Shark Awareness Day. And Pandemonium Day. So um, figure out how to put all those things together. Saturday is Be a Dork Day and Cow Appreciation Day. So go out and give a cow a hug. Coming up is Fresh Spinach Day and also National Ice Cream Day. Has anybody ever made spinach ice cream? That would be the day to do it. Get Fresh Spinach Day and National Ice Cream Day and World Snake Day. I'm a little skeptical about spinach ice cream, but I guess (laughs) I would try it and find out. I've had uh, red bean ice cream. That's a a Chinese thing or maybe Japanese, um, which is basically kidney beans. Yeah. Um, Global Hug Your Kids Day. 
That's an important one. Kids need hugs to let them know they're loved. Peach Ice Cream Day and World Emoji Day. National Raspberry Cake Day, National Lollipop Day, and Ugly Truck Day. It's a guy thing. It's a guy thing. So we're in July, which is, of course, National Blueberry Month, National Anti-Boredom Month, Unlucky Month for Weddings, and, of course, National Ice Cream and National Picnic Month. Every Saturday, the city of Carbondale is teaming up with the Carbondale Park District every Saturday in June and July during the Carbondale Farmer's Market to host a series of fitness classes called Fresh Fitness at Turley Park from 10 to 11 a.m. There is no experience required. There, they do have a cash donation suggested. Also coming up on Saturday, I hope you've been paying attention, the WDBX house party. I don't know if that was any good, but a night of old school music for the hip hop community, all to fundraise and fun raise for WDBX. That's us. Enjoy DJ sets from J Soul, P Degree, DJ JD, DJ Butterfly, and a live performance by Lyrical Nomad and live band Greens and Beans. If you missed the last WDBX house party, don't sleep on this one. $5 gets you in the door after 8 p.m. Prizes for the best dress, old school, singles and couples. See you there, WDBX house party, Saturday, 9 p.m. until the doors close. On Sunday, the New Humanist Forum, Lessons from the End of the Roman Republic. Given the political divisiveness in our country today, with each side blaming the other for the deterioration of our civic institutions, it behoves us to look back to the end of the Roman Republic for some answers. Laura will establish the context of the late Republic by starting in 146 BCE, which marks the destruction of both Carthage and Corneth, when Rome became the undisputed master of the Mediterranean world. The influx of wealth and foreign peoples, including numerous slaves, strained the political institutions meant to govern a small city-state and increasingly widened the gulf between the optimates and the populars. I guess that's roughly translated as the aristocrats and the people. By examining key figures and events, Laura will highlight the two trends. The broadening of the natural national interest to include more people and the increasing concentration of power in the hands of one individual. This sounds pretty interesting. The New Humanist Forum is a member-led group devoted to exploring together the many facets of what it means to be truly human. It's at Sunday at 12.15 at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. Every Tuesday at 7 p.m., continuing the conversation. Each week, a group of Southern Illinois residents meets on Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. for continuing the conversation in the Newman Center at at, 715 South Washington Street in Carbondale. 
The purpose over the past year as the Race Unity Group has evolved from discussion to action to bring together an interracial community, we first listened respectfully to each other's life stories. With weekly meetings, we saw strangers become like-minded comrades in arms to build a community that has strengthened our understanding and compassion for each other. On Tuesday, July 18th at 8.30 p.m., Transpoetic Playground at Gaia House. Transpoetic meets first and third Tuesdays at 8.30 at Gaia House. Poetry, dramatic spoken word, and a very open, creative environment. Present a piece or just listen. Every Wednesday in May, June, and July, free music downtown at noon at the Carbondale Town Square Pavilion. Carbondale Main Street hires a different local band each week and also purchases a gift card to raffle off for free to attendees. Visit Carbondale Main Street for a full schedule of bands every Wednesday noon at the Town Square Pavilion. On Thursday, Cairo Community Cleanup. Thursday at 9.30 a.m., calling volunteers from southern Illinois and surrounding areas to join our neighbors in Cairo for a community cleanup day. Work with residents to help make Cairo shine as part of current efforts to revitalize the town and address the need for affordable housing. The event is coordinated with Men of Power, Women of Strength of Cairo. Come for as long as you can. If you can't attend, recruit a friend to represent you. Please let them know if you can attend so work can be planned accordingly. If you do need a ride, contact Becky Talley with your phone number to Carpool to Cairo. Yes, and this, yeah, this next happening too, the Eco Theater Camp. It has already started, but uh, I wanted to mention it again one last time because they're having the performance. Um, they're doing the Eco Theater Camp, and the performance for it is coming up on July 22nd. They have all these young people learning about eco <laughs> workshops and presentations, <laughs> things like composting, solar water filtration, solar ovens and passive heat, beekeeping, a bunch of good stuff. And then they're doing a performance on Saturday, July 22nd over at the garden or at the <laughs> flyover info shop. The next big thing is a champion tree contest now through July. The search is on for Carbondale's largest trees. The next big thing, champion tree contest now through July 28th. Keep Carbondale Beautiful is looking for the largest examples of 10 different native species of trees. For example, a cottonwood or a pin oak or a sweet gum. The Illinois Big Tree Register recognized state champions of all native species. This contest will be limited to 10 species and the Carbondale area. The 10 trees will be recognized as champions at the 4th Friday Fair on July 28th. Champion trees are scored based on the sum of three numbers, measuring circumference, height, and spread. Certificates will be awarded to the nominator and the property owner if they're different. Nominators are asked to send in the tree species, location, 
and contact inform of the nominator and the tree owner. If possible, they should send in measurements and photos. Volunteers are also being sought to help with measuring the trees. Carbondale Executive Di uh, Keep Carbondale Beautiful Executive Director Sarah Heyer says, We are looking for champion trees of 10 native species that many people have in their neighborhoods. The purpose is to promote happiness of native tree species, knowledge of the big tree register, and appreciation for the beauty and value of trees. Nomination forms can be of, will be available at keepcb.org. Keep Carbondale Beautiful, the next big thing, champion tree contest. Well, you've been listening to your community spirit on your community radio. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song and Bedelia. And we will see you again on the radio next week. If you have a happening, an announcement, a news story, um, I heard you can even send money via email. Send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And if you go to yourcommunityspirit.org, I recently looked at it, and Tree Song has put over 500 of our put over 500 of our past radio shows up on our website. So we're thinking of pulling one of the old ones and playing one from right from the beginning. All right, we'll see you again on the radio next week. Stay energized. <laughs>